My name is Bo, by the way, for those of you who don't know me. I'm one of the elders here, and I get the opportunity to preach to you. But before we get there, we got a couple family business items to get through. So uh, the first one, Lord, thank you so much for today. You know how much I need your help. So please provide it. Please give your Holy Spirit to us today to bring to mind Holy Spirit, I invite you to be our helper and comforter, just like it is said in the Word that you will be, to bring to mind the things that Christ taught so that we can love you better, know you better, know the Father better, participate in worship of you better today. And uh, and that's it. Amen. We're continuing on in a sermon series called Hallowed Be Thy Name, where we are going through the names of God, um, and the one today is The Rock. So, Yahweh Tsuri. I don't know how to say it in Hebrew, so don't quote me on it. I'm not giving you the most accurate information. That's just my best guess. Not a scholar, which just means I am The Rock. And today's going to be a little bit different. One, because you get me, all right? And I'm only up here every six months. And I'm a little rusty, and I'm only up here once Andy has scraped the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> and that has come up dry, and he sends out a Hail Mary email, and those people say no. <laughs> then I get a notification from Planning Center Online that I've been requested to serve, okay? So don't expect a polished sermon today. I'm very serious. I'm, I'm not like, that's not for laughs. I'm very serious. I actually mean that. I feel like this morning, God doesn't want a polished sermon. He wants for us, his kids, to have an opportunity to get to know him better. And he doesn't want a polished sermon in the way, which is why I'm talking today, all right? So I don't want to get in the way with that, and I also don't want you to expect that. It's going to be a little bit different. You're going to get me and my personality because God wants you to come here and experience his personality. And I know when things are different, some of us get uncomfortable. Statistically, 59% of us get uncomfortable. That's true. When somebody says, there's a new direction for the church, or we're going to do something different this Sunday morning, 59% of people go, why am I here? 25% of people are like, I can be persuaded. 10% of people are like, I'm really ready to help. And 6% of people are like, thank God, we've done the same thing two Sundays in a row. Right? But 59% of people, when it's just a little bit different, panic. So I don't want you to panic. So here's what I'm going to do to help you not panic going to tell you the whole point of the morning and what we're going to do at the end of service, and then we'll start, all right? The whole point of the morning, which I already gave you, is we are here today to experience the person of Jesus Christ. I do not want to talk about the rock. I do not want to give you a history of, you know, geological formations and how Jesus, you know, does something in relation to that. We are here to experience the right now living person, the rock as a person. And if we miss out on that point, we'll have missed everything. If you enjoyed the music, if you survive the sermon, 
right? If you get through the end, but you didn't meet with the person of Jesus Christ today, you'll have missed the point. And that's his invitation, is for you to meet with him. So at the end of this, okay, here's the end. Here's the end from the beginning. Here's how we're going to end it. This is an option. These are all options. My children and I, on their Saturday, went and picked rocks, all right, from a job site. Just down the road. Like, Dad, why are we doing this? Because I'm Dad and I said so. There will be an opportunity for those of you who feel that this is a representation you want to participate in to signify you as a living stone wanting to be built on the living stone. This idea is from First Peter. Moses or Asher? We got Asher up there now? One of the guys? All right, here's, here's where I got this from. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Therefore, rid yourselves, pay attention, Rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Ouch! Like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. If you have tasted that, that's experienced, right? If you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, You yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So at the end, if this is something that is important to you and the Lord speaks to you, you hear him, you meet with Jesus the rock today, and you're like, I want to do this as a physical, visual act of a spiritual truth, you are invited to. You are not commanded to. You are not compelled to you are invited to, all right? Other than that, there'll just be some music, some psalms that you may want to read that may prompt you to engage with him or hear something from him. And I know sometimes when I'm up here, I talk about like how I hear from God, like I will in just a little bit. And then people around Lakeview, not all people, but some people get very uncomfortable. You know, they're like, well, I don't hear from God like that. You know, so... I want to give you an exhortation and an encouragement. The exhortation is this. This is how I hear from him, so I just want you to know how I hear from him and what prompted this morning. The exhortation is this. Last week, I was sitting somewhere right over there, and Jesse was either preaching or they were doing the response time or it was worship. I don't really remember, but I was praying to God. And I asked him a question that I haven't asked him for a while. And that question was, God, will you show me what is happening here right now spiritually? I used to ask that a lot. I used to show up and I'd show up to worship service. I'd be like, God, just show me what's going on with your people today. I just want to know. And I, I have not been in that space. So, God talks to me in pictures. That's not at all awkward because he spoke to like a lot of his prophets in the Old Testament with, in pictures. And if you read Revelation, the command in Revelation that's most often commanded is, look. All right? So anyway, spoke to me in picture. And immediately after I asked him that question, he showed me these birds flying up to the upper part of our sanctuary. And they were building nests. And they were looking in on what was happening here. They were interested. They just wanted to be by and look in. 
And I knew that was from a psalm, and I had to find it, admittedly. I'm not uh, Mr. Gary Cook down there. I was like, and that is from Psalm 84. You know you knew it. All right, so it's from Psalm 84. Where the psalmist writes, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. Will you go back one slide? I have to admit, when he, when he showed me that picture, I was actually pretty convicted because I've not been longing and yearning when I show up here on Sundays. Like, that's, I'm just admitting, that's part of the reason for this whole thing here today is that I realize that I have not been coming, wanting first and foremost to engage with the person of Jesus. Admittedly, I have been more engaged with wanting to do my work here well, with wanting to meet others' expectations of me, with hoping others meet my expectations, with being concerned about how the sound is and if I agree with what the preacher would have said and did we go over, you know, just the whole list of things. My mind is going on and on and on. And I'm not primarily or have not recently been primarily engaged with wanting to come here and know the person of Jesus Christ first and foremost and to put him at the center and give the birds on the outside something to see every week. So I'm just confessing that to you. So that's the exhortation that all I had to do was ask, and God showed me something, right? And here's an encouragement. At the end of the time when it's like, oh, he asked us to pray in the middle of this music, and I've got to pick a psalm to read. When you know the Packers are coming on, right? And I don't even hear from him this way usually anyway. God is proactive. He has an invitation for you to come and know him in a way this morning. And it's not on you to create something. You don't have to see a picture like I see pictures, right? You can jump into the Word and He can hit you with something. He might actually tell you what He wants to talk to you before we get to that response time. He might have already told you this morning. He might have been making noise in your life all week. He's proactive. He's searching you out. He's the, you know, shepherd that goes after that one sheep, right? He's the, like the woman that lost one of ten coins and like, tears apart the house to find that coin, finds the coin, and then throws a party, that's God. So all you got to do is like show up to the party, right? That's, that's hearing from him. One last, one last encouragement from my life. I have a three-year-old. And we play hide-and-seek. And she is horrible at hide-and-seek. She's atrocious. She's a smart child. She's like a ninja when she wants candy. But she is atrocious at hide-and-seek. And it usually goes like, hey, Evelyn, you want to play hide-and-seek? Yeah, yeah, Daddy, you count, you count. How high should I count? You count to ten. I'll count one, two, and she goes running. And it's...
there is no guessing, you know. There's no mystery about where in the house Evelyn is. None at all. But I play along, oh, she's not in the kitchen. She's not in the bathroom. She's not here. And as I turn the corner, and I already know she's under the desk in the office, because I would have to be very dense not to know that. As I turn the corner, before I can even say anything, this is why she's horrible at hide and seek. Boo! Daddy, I'm here! Can you see me? Right? It's actually how God is. Sometimes we just have to be willing to turn the corner. And he's the one who's been making noise in our lives. You can hardly miss him. All you got to do is look. I'm right here. So if you're uncomfortable, and I'm like, there's a response time. Relax. He's pursuing you. He has been pursuing you. (sighs) Good enough. Should we get into it? Let's get into David's life, a man who knew the rock, and I'm not talking Dwayne Johnson. At the beginning, well, we'll, we're going to start with the anointing of David, which I'm not going to have it up there, but it comes out of 1 Samuel chapter 16, so I'll give you the verbal rundown of what happens. Saul is the first king of Israel. Saul gets rejected by God. God tells Samuel, the prophet over Israel, you're going to go on a trip and you're going to anoint a new king. So fill, you know, your horn with oil, take a young cow, you're going to Bethlehem. Samuel's like, Saul will kill me, you know. And the Lord's like, you're going to go. So he takes this young cow, he shows up in Bethlehem, he kind of does it under the guise of, oh, we're just doing a sacrifice, you know, so he's, Doing a sacrifice tells the elders, prepare for the sacrifice, consecrate yourselves, get Jesse, Jesse's David's dad, get Jesse and his sons here, we're going to have the sacrifice. So Jesse brings his sons, they kill the cow, they've got the meal ready, and, and Samuel says, bring your sons before me, you know, and so Jesse begins to present his sons, and he, of course, puts the oldest first, apparently a very good-looking, strong, and Samuel's thinking, this is the guy. This is the guy, and the Lord's like, not the guy, you know, not the guy. Okay, next, 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 goes through seven sons, seven sons, all not the guy. Sam was like, do you have anybody else, anyone else? Oh, yeah, we got one more guy, but he's out shepherding. Go get him. Could you imagine the food cooling down? I mean, you got fresh steaks, right? Young cow, just slaughtered, fresh steaks, probably smells amazing. And you're like, you got to go find some dude in a field. There's no iPhones. You're not calling him, you know. they got to go track him down. David shows up. Samuel opens up the horn, pours oil over him. That's got to be awesome, right? I'm sure he's like walking in and going, like, why is everyone here? And I'm not invited. What in the world? You know? to his own dinner. The guy didn't invite him to his own dinner. And it doesn't even say that Samuel hung around for dinner. He's just like, yeah, then he's gone. You know? So he's anointed king in that moment. And then, uh, and then the next day, Saul just steps down. Saul just steps down. Like, oh, you can just step up, David, right? 
so easy, so easy for David? No, not easy for David. David is bathed in the Holy Spirit at that moment, then goes on to defeat Goliath, marries Saul, the imposter king's daughter. So now that dude is not only the standing king, he's also his father-in-law. That's awesome. Then he serves him for a while until that guy starts throwing spears at him and then hounds him and chases him for years out in the wilderness. And I think that the only way that David was able to stay obedient through the entire thing was because of who he knew. I don't think he was made supernaturally awesome. I think the reason he got anointed was because he knew a guy. It wasn't because he had been a politician. He was probably like 16. It wasn't because he had a four-year degree or a master's or a doctorate or had gone through some amazing certification or had blah, 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 you know, just start. Nothing. Nothing. He did hard work and he knew who God was out in the middle of nowhere where no one could appreciate it except for God himself. He knew a guy. Samuel knew the same guy. That's why Samuel knew who to pick. And I think it's his knowing of who God is that kept him obedient and as a person to look to when we address who the rock is. Okay, let's get into our main text for the morning, which is Psalm 19. We'll probably pause here and there as I read this one. For the choir director, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. I really feel like, you know, he knew that because he got stuck in the wilderness being chased for his life and he woke up every morning. He woke up every morning and somehow in his mind, he knew that even though he was being chased for his life, he was still in the sanctuary where he could praise God. The heavens declare the glory of Yeah, Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to their other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, an abundance of gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. All right, and here's, here's where we start getting into what we may need to get through this morning before our response time. David's a smart guy, and I don't think this is in here unintentionally. Who perceives his unintentional sins 
Asher, we're just going to pause on this slide, okay? Verse for a minute. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. David is pretty wise. He realizes that there's things going on inside of him that he's not aware of. Just like last week when I was sitting there and I started praying, I wasn't really aware. I was not connected to my apathy, right? That was a sin that was going on in me, that I was coming in here apathetically when I should be giving my entire, you know, worship and my gaze should be on the person of Jesus Christ. But instead I had apathy. I wasn't aware of it until I came into his presence. Or maybe, you know, when I said pay attention for the uh, first Peter stuff, maybe some of those things triggered and it's like, you're not really paying attention. I don't think anybody's out there like, today I'm going to wake up and God, I'm not going to choose you. I'm going to choose envy. Nobody does that, you know? You're not intentionally trying to be envious, but you might be envious. And you might read that envy is a problem and you might go, ooh, ouch, ah. David's just saying, test me and cleanse me. For some this morning, there might be something that the Lord brings up that is unintentional, but that he wants to deal with. Because if you don't deal with, you won't get your eyes set on him and know the person of Jesus Christ, right? Who's not some removed, lifeless rock, but is an alive human being sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. All right, next. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. Sometimes, oh, sorry. You could, thanks. Sometimes we know exactly what we're choosing and we're not choosing God. Sometimes I can choose God or I can scroll through my phone and find something entirely unworthy that I know I shouldn't be looking at. You know? It's willful. Not a, not a, not lost, right? Or how about, um, I don't know, this is one that's been willful for me in different seasons, right? Food. I'm stressed. I have the opportunity to go to God or quick trip. And I've been to Quick Trip a lot. And I'm like, God, I know I should be talking to you right now, but I'm going to eat this tornado. And then I'm probably going to eat the other one I bought. Right? Or alcohol. It's not bad to have alcohol, in my opinion. I know some people may disagree, right? But if I'm having alcohol because I don't want to engage with the person of Jesus Christ because he doesn't actually bring the best life out in me. It's something else I need for that. That's a sin, and that's a willful sin. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know. But I do know today that he's giving us all an invitation, even those of us who have been in willful sin, that we can just, let's turn the corner. Let's turn. That's repentance. Change your mind. Turn back. Go this way. And he's right there because he wants you back. He just wants you back. But if you're in willful sin, you can't have him. And willful sin isn't going to be, I mean, these things help. These things help. 
but it's not the, it's not the fix, right? It's not going to be perfectly solved by a 12-step program or a calorie counter or an internet filter or anything else unless we solve the personal problem. And the personal problem is not knowing the person of Jesus Christ. Because he's the one who's going to fill all those things. Pornography is not attractive when we are so taken by how much Jesus actually loves us and can fill us intimately. That's uncomfortable to talk about. Intimate. He's a man. Whatever. He wants to be intimately acquainted and be more romantic with you than you could ever conceive of anywhere else. Because he loves you. He died on the cross for you. And when you believe in that love of him as a person, pornography is not attractive. Putting a drink in your hand doesn't actually do anything more for you because he's already done everything for you. And then 12-step, you know, whatever, that can follow after. But if we don't know the person first, we're not going to get from here to there. All right. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Two last things to cover before coming to the Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth. This one's rough. This one's rough. Uh, let's go to Exodus 17. Is that in there? Cool. So here's the backup story to this. The Israelite community had just, just come out of slavery. They saw 10 of the most miraculous things happen ever on earth, right? Incredible. They just walked out. They just walked through walls of water. So you would think their faith would just be huge and like they just could, it couldn't be shaken. And this is their response as they get a little thirsty. The entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin, moving from one place to the next according to the Lord's command. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So the people complained to Moses, not even to God. Put somebody between us. Why are you Give us water to drink. Why are you complaining to me, Moses replied to them. Why are you testing the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you ever bring us up from Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Wow, what a great amount of faith. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? In a little while they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. I am going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites complained and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Mm. All right, yeah, let's jump to this. So this is later, okay? In the continuation, the spies had just come back from the land and reported to the whole community. Again, people are having a real hard time having faith in God. They come back and say, ah, oh, we're grasshoppers in their eyes. There's no way we can get to the promised land. Even after all they just went through. 
All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, and the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. And a few verses later, this is God's response. He's finally done. How long must I endure this evil community that keeps complaining about me? I've heard the Israelites' complaints that they make against me. Tell them, as I live, this is the Lord's declaration. I will do to you exactly as I heard you say. In God's kingdom... It is both what you say and what you do because what you say says a whole lot about what you believe about who you're supposed to believe in. And uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers pointed out recently, it wasn't when they made the golden calf that God said, go spend 40 years in the wilderness. They literally said, who's Moses? Who's God? This is God as a calf. This cow brought us out of Egypt and... God is like, oh, are you serious? But it's when they did not believe in him. When they didn't believe in him that he's like, I can't work with this. I can't. Exactly as you have said is unto you. Our words are super important. Also, just a little, I'm going to append here right before we move to the next one. Don't curse other people. Your words are super important. So please, do not curse your spouses. Don't curse your workmates. Don't curse the people in this church. Don't curse, this is difficult, this is difficult, the driver in front of you, right? Don't curse people, seriously. Our words are super important. It's, it's not a joke. All right, and the last one, meditations of our heart. I mean, it's pretty easy to think of sin like anything that could be going on in here, but I also I think it is appropriate to think about things like depression, self-hate, massive anxiety. One that I feel like the Lord has highlighted a few times this week, fear of death. Is this what's going on all the time up here? You might have a personal problem where you actually have to get to the person of Jesus Christ and know him intimately and let him address that. All right. Good enough? Hey, we made it to the opportunity to respond. Just like I said, we were going to get there. I want to read one last thing before we partake of that time. Steph, could you come up and start playing? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Today I feel like the Lord had planned in advance to invite us here. For some of us, look, some of this stuff might not apply to you. You might show up every single Sunday sold out, ready, right? But I think for some of us, unintentional sin, willful sin, the words of our mouth or the meditations of our heart have been impeding us from setting up this type of worship atmosphere that David knew in the Psalms that he's worthy of. And it's not a guilt trip. It's an invitation to come and know him personally. So, uh, I'm going to pray in just a minute. There's going to be some psalms. Asher, will you go to the psalm slide? 
sometimes when I say, like, this is a time to reflect, it gets really uncomfortable, like I said. So for those of you, and I am this person as well, who find yourself super inspired by reading Scripture, this is an opportunity. These are some psalms that the Lord is the rock in, and they might speak to you, and He might use these to speak to you. And if at any point, again, there's no compulsion, if at any point you feel so, you know, led to take a rock and signify that you want to be a living stone built upon a living stone and that means something to you, feel welcome to at any point. We're going to take a couple minutes where Steph's just going to play the guitar. I will sing a song after that and then let's end, let's end the service just singing on Christ the rock again, okay? So this is, this is a time to just engage and hear from him. I'll pray real quick, and then I'll leave you to spend a few minutes engaging with God. Jesus, our living rock, thank you that you are not so far removed. Thank you that you are not lifeless, you are not cold, You are alive and you provide everything we need. Today, God, I personally and we corporately come to you and want to know you better. want to meet with you, the person, so that we can give you the praise that you are deserving of and we can become who you've designed us to be so that we can spread who you are even further. I just uh, repent of anything unintentional, willful, anything that I've said or anything that I've thought that hasn't honored you, I pray you would bring things to mind now to us so that we can get rid of those things and be better placed upon you, the person. And we want to meet you, not leave here today without meeting you. So would you... Be the God that, as we turn the corner, just says, here I am, here I am. And would you speak really clearly to all your children? Amen.